Greetings, Minecrafters, and welcome to another exciting discussion on all things Minecraft. And wow, we're going to grab it right today because we talk about the foundation of Minecraft being the boss of your brain. That is exactly what we're going to talk about. My name is Kimberly Quinn, and I am thrilled to have this discussion on this glorious day. I want to start out by just reading a quote I landed upon by Bhagavad Gita, 5th century BC ancient Hindu um, it came from an ancient Hindu text, sorry. And he says, uh, the mind acts like an enemy for those who don't control it. And, you know, just reading that, that quote made me think of just the, uh, the Minecraft course that I teach. And, and right off the syllabus, I just switched to it just now just to read it to you. On, on the front page of, of, the stu- uh, of the syllabus, it says, we tend to blame our brain a great deal. For, in, for the inability to remember, for making us feel bad, for being slow, as if it were a tyrannical ruler whom the rest of our body needs to follow no matter what. We often refuse to take responsibility for our mind's health and happiness. If we did, we would experience this amazing organ becoming our loyal friend rather than an adversary or enemy. Wow. I mean, you know, it's actually the whole idea, you know, for the, the title of Minecraft came to me out in the woods with when I was walking little Giovanni out there and it really was almost like the clouds parted and it landed in my head. I'm like, Oh my God, that so fits mind craft, you know? And I constantly have to correct people because they think mind, like the gamers at Champlain think Minecraft. No mind craft, crafting our mind means crafting our lives. And many people don't realize thoughts come first and feelings second and then thoughts and behavior last. So though it, 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 it is that simple. I sometimes say, is it that simple? Yes. Is that that easy to, to practice thought control? No, but wow. I mean, you lean into it and like anything else we practice, we get really good at. The first thing to understand, however, is that we really do have control. We can control what we think, what we allow to come in and the word is allow. And then what we choose to keep, what we choose to just passively let roll through our heads dictates then how we feel. You know, it's interesting because we think about space, you know, the, you know, unpioneered territory and the, you know, the, the greatest frontier and all this stuff. It's like very Star Trek. And, you know, in my opinion, the mind is really uh, the unpioneered territory. And, and we tend to just want to, you know, do friendly fire on ourselves and attack it and get mad. And why couldn't I remember that? It was right on the tip of my tongue and my anxiety. There it goes again because of my anxiety, this, because of my depression, that instead of, you know, befriending this amazing, absolutely amazing, incredible organ that we haven't even begun to tap into the ability of. And then there's the other part of that that I just read from you from the Minecraft syllabus is that people sometimes get so frustrated with their own mind. You know, you don't understand, you don't understand my anxiety, my anxiety, my depression, my this. I do understand. And it's almost like they're in a war, like a battle or a war with their mind rather than lovingly, gently, compassionately working, working through what's going on with kindness and empathy. And quite honestly, I think this is true in life in general. You know, when we approach something with kindness and compassion, with a willingness to learn and a willingness to work with whatever it is or whomever it is and, and to, to improve whatever it is, grow from it, land in a better place. It's just such a better way you know, to, to address anything really. And if it's a person, right, usually when we come into it without the, you know, being all armored up and having the, you know, the shield and the sword ready, 
typically things end up in a much, much, much better place. And so that said, doesn't it make more sense to, to treat ourselves in the same way? Even with a mind that's buzzing with anxiety or depression or ADHD or all kinds of learning differences and, you know, bipolar disorder or whatever, it doesn't it make sense to approach it with, okay, help me understand you. Help me to understand you and work with you and try to, it's a duality there because we're talking about ourselves, right? But help me to understand you. Help me to work with maybe getting you to a better place by rewiring rewiring some of what's going on in there to learn to control these thoughts, which will then have me feeling better, which will then have me making better choices and decisions in my life. And of course, a better place means a more loving place, a more kind place, a more accepting place. So really, we it's very difficult to love other people. We really can't love other people or accept other people or learn not to judge other people or fill in the blank, empathize with other people until we learn to do that for ourselves first. And this, we need clarity. We need to sort of calm the bees nest of our minds that we have allowed for so long. And the longer it's been allowed to, to you know, with a hamster wheel of thinking, however you want to explain it, it's a heavier lift to do so, but it can happen. It can absolutely happen. Whatever's wired now can be rewired without question. So in order to bring clarity, I'm actually, there's another Another quote by Blaise Pascal, and he was a math, mathematician and philosopher from the 17th century, actually more specifically 1623 to 1662. And he said, clarity of mind means clarity of passion too. This is why a great and clear mind loves ardently and sees distinctly what it loves. So my inspiration for today is coming from, well, I do this as you know, I've been teaching Minecraft for ages, but I, my immediate inspiration is from uh, Rhonda Byrne, who wrote The Secret. She's all, you know, the she's the law of attraction person and all that. And we are, she and I are right in sync today, I'll tell you that. And hers is on the focus of love, which I, I really like. And she writes in her book, actually it's called The Power. Sometimes your mind, she says, sometimes your mind can take off like a freight train down a mountain without a driver. If you don't stay in control of it, you are the driver of your mind. So take charge and keep it busy with your instructions by telling it where you want it to go. Your mind only takes off on its own if you are not telling it what to do. Amen, sister. I'm just telling you, this is so obvious, really, when we think about it, right? Yet still, there are many people, you know, seasoned grownups, professional grownups out there in the runaway train mode, you know, and not realize, I'm not saying that with judgment, it's just meant for explanation and maybe observation, right? Because when we're in runaway train mode, I'm sure we've all experienced that, uh, and definitely including myself at times, it's, it's, it feels like, it's like you just don't have control, right? Because you kind of given up. But what we don't realize is we've got the reins. Think about, think about sitting on a horse, like a beautiful thoroughbred, right? That horse, I'm five foot nothing. That little, that, that, that horse could take me for such a ride or throw me or do whatever. Think about that. Think about the jockeys in, in, in the, in the horse races, they weigh, you know, 90 pounds and they've got the reins though. This huge thoroughbred animal has the, has the, has the ability to toss them from here to Pluto, but they don't. And this little tiny jockey is pulling the reins and giving the instructions and, and harnessing literally the power 
of this huge and gorgeous animal. You know, and the other thing to revisit, which we've talked about, you know, here and there in various episodes, is about 96% what we say and do every day is coming from the vault, meaning the unconscious mind. 96%. Until we rewire what's going on that we can't even access, okay, we are going to keep, you know, life's, the lessons, the quizzes that life gives, gives us, we're going to keep getting those until we get it. And if we're in, you know, not so good relationships, that person's going to keep showing up with different pair of pants. That's how it works. And the only way can, we can learn to become the boss of our brain is to practice thought control. We've got to practice thought control. And sometimes people say, oh, you don't understand. I have anxiety. I have depression. I have a... ADHD, I have this, I have that. I I do understand. And the thing is, just like I use in a, I forget when, it was another episode about the, the track meet. It was at a graduation I was at for my youngest brother-in-law. And the person up there had several learning differences. I, I think one of them was dyslexia. Doing the graduation talk with his PhD and at how it you know, was quite a, you know, a ride for him to get there. And he, he talked about um, having these differences was like, a track meet, an invitational with all the different teams and all their different color uniforms, lots and lots of, lots and lots of teams, you know, students all in different colors and waiting for the same gun to go off, running on the same track. You had the beast runners out in front, the, you know, the middle pack, which is usually big. And then those behind are sometimes in for social reasons or to keep in shape or whatever. And so there's the person, you know, wearing the purple uniform with everybody else and maybe they, again, have anxiety, depression, or bipolar, or dyslexia, or whatever. And this is like having a 25-pound weight belt underneath your uniform. Though the fact is, we're all running in the same race, waiting for the same gun to go off, and crossing over the same finish line. And that is is how it is. Happiness still comes down to a choice. And the fact is, that that's something extra to deal with. Just sucks. we got to work that much harder, though happiness is still a choice and it starts with controlling our thoughts. That's it, period. That's simple. And there's one big key to this in addition to awareness. Awareness is first because we can't do what we do not know, right? So once we become aware that 96% of our what's driving the bus here is the unconscious mind, right? Once we become aware of that, we can then start to, to attenuate sexy 14 care word for pay attention, right? to the thoughts are going through our heads. And we can do this by noticing the feelings since they come second. So we get this wave of shame. Question that. What are the thoughts I'm allowing to go through my mind that is leading to the feeling of shame? And that's when we can start talking back to it and doing a lot of affirmations around it. Because the only way to rewire this is to catch ourselves because thoughts are kind of like the seeds to our belief system. And that's when we really start to see the changes. When we talk back to it so much, we actually rewire the hard drive. Thoughts turn into beliefs. It's like it's like a thought saying, when I grow up, I'm going to be a belief. It's just like that. And then the hard drive changes, just like rebooting a computer. Okay, so we have awareness first of you know, that we're ready to make a change. An understanding of the subconscious mind or unconscious mind and how it's driving the bus. And now the third one is gratitude is key. It is essential Gratitude is a straight road to happy, and it's not touchy-feely, mush-gush. This, we can actually see gratitude on an fMRI. We can see brain changes on an fMRI. And then there's another uh, uh, author, a new thought author. I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. 
uh, Wallace Watler, 1860 to 1911, who said, you cannot exercise much power without gratitude because it is gratitude that keeps you connected with power. Oh my gosh, it's so true. And like Deepak Chopra talks about the power of the mind and that's also related to calmness. We'll get to that next. But gratitude is the key. And what people don't realize with the anxiety and the depression, this, all this going on, a grateful with a grateful mind, there is no room for anxiety. There is no room for anxiety. They're mutually exclusive. So no matter what your life circumstances are, if you start a gratitude journal, because the power of the written word is way bigger than just saying it, saying it's good too. But remember, we've talked about it in, the, in other episodes that just like a toddler, the brain is very much like a toddler. It needs to be redirected constantly. So the more you've been immersed in negative thinking, you know, allowing, again, allowing the hamster wheel of negative internal dialogue to roll and roll and roll through your mind, we got to work, we got to lean into this, this new habit. And this involves a gratitude journal. And for me, I write in it every day of my life, three things I am grateful for, I am grateful for. And those words are essential. It can't just be my family, my dog, my banana bread, whatever. I am grateful for because the power of the word is huge. And after about 21 days, because that, that is the average time that it takes a habit to shift. After about 21 days, you will start to unconsciously rewire and start to notice that you'll be looking for the good in your day more so than the negativity. And then Rhonda um, talks about how it just can be so grat gratitude can, can transform us on the outside too. And she talks about, well, she talks about a bunch of physical healing too. I'm just kind of get, cutting to the chase here for time reasons. She writes that I know of broken relationships that have transformed into magnificent ones through gratitude, failed marriages, completely restored, estranged family members reunited, parents transform, transforming relationship with children and teenagers and teachers transforming students. She says, I've seen, I have seen people who are in total poverty become wealthy through gratitude. And then she goes on to say, um, I know of people who are in depression who catapulted into joyful and fulfilling lives through gratitude. People who have suffered from anxiety and every kind of mental illness have restored themselves to perfect mental health through gratitude. So I'm just going to a little disclaimer that mental illness is obviously complicated. So there are other things, you know, playing into that. However, I will also say that a grateful mind, as far as, um, you know, anxiety and depression type type of issues, not saying it doesn't also need some medication, professional treatment. We're not saying that. That said, when somebody actively practices gratitude, no matter how you cut it up, the anxiety and depression will be reduced. If you're actively practicing it every single day, with or without, you know, depending on what, where you are on the spectrum of it, okay, maybe, again, depression, uh, sorry, medication and professional treatment, um, whatever, all of it together, it's going, it's going to reduce anxiety and depression because it, it's thoughts. The thoughts come first, no matter how you cut it up, the thoughts come first and the feelings are second. You cannot feel anxious if you don't first think anxious thoughts. You cannot feel depressed if you don't first think depressed thoughts. And the thing is, this is the drag, okay? The universe source, it's God for me or say higher power. When we allow the, and the word is allow, allow the depressed thoughts, our thoughts expand and they attract more depressed thoughts. I mean, that is just the truth. And the universe responds wonderfully to gratitude. 
So the more grateful we are, the more abundance the universe, God's source, sends to us. When we are not grateful, it's like somebody giving you a birthday present or a Christmas present or whatever. And you say, oh, yeah, thanks. And you set it down. And you say, well, I'll, let's just go to lunch and I'll, I'll get that later. Like, who's going to give you a present again? Because you didn't bother or care enough to open it or appreciate it or say something. So the universe acts the same way. You know, why should I give her anything else? She didn't even open the last thing I gave her. Clearly, she's not ready for abundance in her life. She's not receptive to it. It's really that basic. And Rhonda actually says, I just barely turned the page to see what was next because that was coming from me. It's amazing how the how the universe works because I flipped the page and she talks about gratitude being the great multiplier. It's amazing. She says, Rhonda says, when you're grateful for the things you have, no matter how small they may be, you'll receive more of those things. If you're grateful for the money you have, however little, you'll receive more money. If you're grateful for the relationship, even if it's not perfect, the relationship will get better. If you're grateful for the job you have, even if it's not your dream job, you will receive better opportunities in your work because gratitude is the great multiplier of life. And it's also true in the not, not so good realm because our thoughts expand. Everything across, Every thought that crosses our mind expands. So once we know that, hopefully we're getting really, really careful with the thoughts we allow to sit there in our minds. And then the last thing, which goes right along with gratitude, is to be mindful. We're not talking about sitting in a cave like a Zen monk eating yogurt. You can do that too. But to be mindful just means to be present in this moment. You can make dinner um, you know, mindfully, take a hot shower mindfully, have five-star sex mindfully, sit in front of the fire with a golden retriever mindfully, eat mindfully, whatever. And, and when we are mindful, that opens the door. Like picture huge cathedral doors versus like a little like a little doggy door at the bottom of a door, uh, you know, of, of a big door, like a little cat door or something versus a huge cathedral door. When we're mindful, it's opening the door for gratitude, like St. Patrick's Cathedral, huge. Gratitude just rolls in because we are receptive. We are present. We are able to hear all the, the inner, you know, the, hear the inner voice, the whispers as Oprah would say. And so they go together when we are being mindful, 100%, if possible, 100% immersed in that moment and grateful. There's absolutely no room for anxiety or depression. None, zero, zip, zilch. Okay, so just recap here. Awareness, we can't do what we don't know. If we want to become the boss of our brain, be aware. Understanding is second. Understand that the unconscious is driving the bus. 96%, right? of what we say and do every day is because of what's in the vault, which can be rewired. And then the two keys, the two keys to happiness, be grateful, be mindful, be grateful, be mindful, be grateful, be mindful. That is it. And then lastly is practice. Practice and cultivate. Whatever we practice, we inevitably get good at. We inevitably get good at. If you want to cultivate happiness, you must cultivate mindfulness and gratitude. That's it. This is Kimberly Quinn signing off from Northern Vermont. Become the boss of your brain and live your best life. Mm-hmm.